Here's what I love about technology. If you have something to say, if you think you have a show inside of you, guess what? You can. Let me tell you about a little something called Anchor. First of all, it's free. Uh, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are basically endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app. Let me say it again. It's a free Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started. What are you waiting for? It's awesome. Audio version of CSC. Hello AKA and welcome to the audio Deep version. Waters. These are the old episodes. Enjoy them. But remember, you can only get the new ones on either patreon.com slash Callen or rockfin.com slash Conspiracy Social Club? Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Now, here are my dates. Here are my current dates, guys, if you're listening to this. I go to Philadelphia, PA, Helium Comedy Club, June 25th, 26th, 27th. I can't wait. And there it is. Get your tickets. Sammy Boy, where are you going to be? In West Hills at the end of the month. I will have that all at samtriplee.com. Please check out my dates. When people ask, is everything a conspiracy? The answer is yes. Who and what is controlling everything and why. They they practice sorcery. I can't argue against magic. <laughs> I don't know what it is that we live on, but I believe it's a realm. This realm that we live in is the lowest level of heaven, highest level of hell. Chicken snake gods and the Anunnaki and sorcery. If Sam says the chicken snake god is running everything, I'm literally in the world of crazy. <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> You're losing. Conspiracy Social Club, a.k.a. Deep Waters. Deep waters, deep waters, deep waters. So I'm very excited because on uh, Conspiracy um, Social Club, a.k.a. Deep Waters, slash the Brian Callen Patreon show, slash whatever, I've got one of my favorite people, Michael Malice, who I've spoken to. I think we've done two podcasts before. Author three, of yeah, Dear yeah. Reader. The new right host of Your Welcome, and uh, I'm sorry, author of Dear Reader and the new right host of Your Welcome, and uh, see, for me, I, that's all good, but I just think of you as one of the funniest oh. uh, satirists slash. I just love. I, I just you crack me up. You've got such guts, and you've just got such wit. So it's really hard to argue with humor. Whenever you talk about Hillary, and you were you 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 were comparing her to Gollum. I was just like, oh my God, you know, you're just, you're outrageous. But I, I, I think you've done a lot of thinking on these subjects. You're, you come from Soviet immigrants, like parents, right? You, your parents, I was born there. I was you born were there. Yeah. 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 So people usually that come from communist countries or, you know, these sort of socialist utopias tend to be very patriotic Americans. Oh yes. Very now, much so. Can you, can you give me, you, it's also important to realize that Michael, I asked him a long time ago who was going to win the presidential debate. And this was when uh, Trump was running against Hillary. And I said, there's no way Trump can win. And you said very early on, Trump. And I was like, what? And then you gave us a reason. So you were very prescient then. 
Who's going to win this election? America. <laughs> That's going to be my dodge. No, I, I don't think we know who's going to win. I'm not as comfortable making a prediction this year um, because there's, it's, I think, a lot more chaotic in a very literal sense, lots more things in the air. Um, and it's, we have to see what the next two debates are. I think Joe Biden is in many ways a worse candidate than Hillary. In many ways, he's a better candidate than Hillary. Trump isn't a breath of fresh air. He is the president. So that also puts him in a very different position. Right. So, so do you think, but I do feel like Trump and this world we live in because of social media has allowed people not only to purify their echo chamber, but to really look at the other side as completely evil, more yes. so than any time in history. That's a, real, so. that's a dangerous division. That's, a have, that's wonderful. That's the goal. It is? Why? Of course. Doesn't that lead to civil war, Michael? That's a, what about Czechoslovakia? What about Brexit? That's the big myth that if there has to be divorce, you have to beat the crap out of your wife before you kick her out of the house. That's, and that's one of the mechanisms that the cathedral, the operating elites, use to try to maintain this separate culture under their thumb. Why does there have to be a civil war? And who's right. got the guns? That's true. So you're not worried about that. You, so division in a society and differences of opinion and even animosity is not a bad thing. It's America. Right. Well, hopefully, America's been held together with thumbtacks and string for a very long time. And there were several different points where we could have gone our separate ways. And there's absolutely no reason for us to maintain ourselves as an entire country right now. I wrote an article about this in 2016 about calling for a national divorce. Um, there's at least two cultures here. There's certainly more. Uh, let's go our own separate ways. Why are we arguing? And having citizenship defined defined by geography is a uh, you know pre landline technology in a post cell phone world. It, it's just a relic of the past that just because I'm stuck between two oceans, I have to be locked into a polity with people who condemn and despise me, and that goes for literally everybody. Right. So in other words, even though government, my my father would always say, I want government to be dysfunctional. And I wanted to move very slowly because in a way that was almost the framers that the irony is the framers actually wanted government to move very slowly right. and to be chaotic because an efficient government can become tyrannical, right? An efficient government by definition is tyrannical because that means nothing can escape its auspices. Whereas inefficiency, you can kind of slip between the cracks. Um, but I'm not for efficient or inefficient government. I'm, for, I'm against government as a whole. Uh, the founding fathers were brilliant men, strong patriots, and they had a thesis. They said, we're going to have a written constitution, and we're going to have this to limit government, both culturally and legally. And as a result, they gave birth to the largest government the world has ever seen in history. So their thesis has been run. We've tried the experiment, and it, the conclusion is the precise opposite of what they had hoped for including really? a civil war in which the federal government slaughtered half the country and burned down their houses and raped their women. Yeah, you uh, you favor almost no government, but I, I just don't- I favor no government, correct. I do not believe in government. But Michael, th that always gives rise to gangs, warlords, because what happens is there are people that are good at violence. They Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna get a monopoly on violence. If it's not the state, it's gonna be, it's gonna be people that are already positioned to do it, who are very good at it, who are trained in an ex-military, whatever. So how do you stop that, man? Every criticism, every criticism, strong criticism of anarchism is in fact a description of the status quo. You're talking about, oh no, we're going to have warlords that attack American citizens. Right now, 
more people have things stolen by the police legally through asset forfeiture than all burglaries combined. For people who don't know what asset forfeiture is, if I'm a cop and I suspect that your home, your car, your property was used in the furtherance of drug crimes, I can seize it without due process, and then you have to sue, where's your money, to get that back. And it's a great way for cops to pad their pockets, and it now has added up to more money than all burglaries combined. That's one thing. Drafts. Uh, how many people died in Iraq from the American side? Let's even let's stop even pretending that Americans care, where many Americans care about people overseas. How many coffins had to come home, and for what? We do have these warlords. These warlords are very efficient at it. You know, you were talking a little bit about conspiracies. George W. Bush's dad was the head of the CIA. So, I mean, this is the conspiracy in the seat of power and public display. So, uh, you know, if your worst argument against anarchy is that it might end up like with what we have now, that's it's all upside then, huh? Well, I will say that I think when you look at the amount of money we spend on these Middle East wars, all in the name of regime change and bringing democracy to the world, We've spent over $6 trillion, that's with a T, dollars yeah. since 2011, according to some of the data I've looked at. Who the fuck is signing those checks? Where are they? What is their reasoning? And by the way, now that they're wrong, largely, and a lot of Americans and a lot of innocent Middle Eastern people have been killed, now what? Like, where's the, where's the recourse? There's no recourse. There's no, there's no consequence for the powerful when they make decisions, they can just kind of f fade back into the woodwork. And that's on both sides of the aisle. What I, I like about you is you're, you, you, you hold Republicans and Democrats, liberal and conservative, to the same fire, it seems. You see, I don't even want uh, non-innocent people in the Middle East killed by Americans. Yeah. If there's someone in the Middle East who is a murderer, like a horrible human being by any accounts, I still don't want to get American... Uh, soldiers on a plane, jet lag, and now they got to kill them and come back. That even that doesn't make sense to me. So, I mean, all the arguments for the state are apologists, inevitably, for this kind of adventurism. It's been the case at the very least since Woodrow Wilson, and you had agencies like the Atlantic, like the New Republic, pushing for war. The boners they had for war, you could see them from space, and none of these outlets have ever had any accountability for their bloodlust and for the corpses upon corpses, lives ruined. You know, plastic surgery was invented as a result of World War I because that was the first time we had human flesh in contact with these horrific machines and, and kind of gas and, and all gas that stuff. And all that, yeah. And, and, and then to have it be kind of like, this is a glorious way to go. I don't think it's glorious. I don't think it's, I think it's horrible uh, how many military families have to kind of have their son's picture in the mantle. I saw this meme once, and it's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen on, on Twitter, on, in, on Facebook, excuse me, and that's saying a lot. And there was this little boy, he's adorable, and they show him at age like two, three, four, five, and at two, he's like holding his dad's picture, and the dad's like good-looking young 20-year-old dude. Then there's they made a little stuffed animal with the dad's picture on it so he could sleep with him, mm. and then there's him kissing the headstone, and then it's like holding up a sign like, I love you, dad. Can't wait to see you soon. That happens. How many of those kids are there out there? Hundreds upon hundreds of thousands. And it's, it's really something that, uh, you know, we we're always taught in school that war should be a last resort, which I agree. But yeah. right away, when everything happens, it's the first instinct. You have well, but but also, Michael, the people that are pushing for that and making the intellectual arguments for that are not people who have any 
They right. don't they, they don't have any family members. They've never been in the military themselves. They don't pay the price. It's the soldiers and the people that they're sending. They don't even they don't even have a connection to the, a lot of those people a lot of times. They just don't. So they're making the intellectual arguments and they're super they're super brave when it's someone else's blood. It's certainly not their family. That's what I resent. I resent the fact that a lot of times these these foreign policy um, experts, etc., and 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 uh, are the ones who are pushing the agenda, but literally not paying a price for it at all. That, like if 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 you're really, it used to be that if you were a general, you were a ruler, you were you were in the mix, you went and fought, you went and fought, you had the scars to show it. For I mean, it, traditionally, if if it was, I mean, there are a lot of examples, at least in in the British. Oh, yeah. tradition where Infinite. if you were an if you were an aristocrat you actually were at war because suffering with was very important when you were a lord or an aristocrat there is a tradition of that i can respect that if you're going to make decisions at least pay a price with your own you know at least at least have some skin in the game as it were but we don't have that do we five minutes ago you were saying anarchism is terrible because these quality warlords would be running things and now all of a sudden, Quality Roller is running things. Sounds like a pretty good deal now, doesn't it? Well, um, I, hold I, on, I'll just say one more thing. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, I'm Jewish. We were told a few months ago that if we didn't go to Syria in the next week, it would be another Holocaust, that the Kurds would all be exterminated. We're in the verge of another genocide. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. And not one of the people who were wishing for the bloody, de bloody deaths of American soldiers have paid the consequences for hoping for this American carnage overseas. Well, man, you, you always have a way of putting it very bluntly. But I think when you're dealing with life and death, it's kind yeah. of the way to go. Do you do you buy into Let me you you're a bit of a Trump supporter or are you just kind of like a, an agnostic? I'm a chaos supporter. You're a chaos supporter. Yeah. But when Trump at the debate yesterday, didn't he balked? He balked when they said, do you condemn white supremacy? And uh, he didn't. I, I was like, dude, dude, it, it was very, very, very odd. Because when they tell him about, oh, Charlottesville, he refused to condemn white nationalists. Everyone has seen the clip, who's an even remotely critical thinker, where he says, and I'm not speaking about white nationalists who should be condemned totally. He said at the time, oh, something the corporate press did, I saw this compilation, they say Donald Trump refuses to denounce David Duke, and someone put together a compilation of him seven times or whatever it was, because I denounce him totally. I cut another shot, I denounce him totally. Yeah. So they will just repeat a lie as long as it matters. But perhaps when he goes to Biden, finish the quote. No, 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 no. You're interrupting him all the time. This is when it's the correct time to interrupt and say the rest of my sentence was I wasn't speaking about white nationalists who should be condemned totally. I was speaking about people who were saying we should preserve our statues as a testament to our nation's heritage, both good and bad. I thought that was very sloppy on his part, uh, and it would leave a very inaccurate impression. Mm. And, and there's a guy named Scott Alexander who was recently doxed by the New York Times. He had a blog called Slate Star Codex, which he pulled as a consequence. And he just made the point about how many white supremacists are there that these people think Trump is try kind of appealing to. So it, it doesn't make sense on any level. And I found it very, very sad and unfortunate. And I also think it's very sad that there's a lot of people who have been trained to believe that Donald Trump is sincerely like a virulent racist. Because if I was, you know, like a minority in a country and that was the president, like sincerely, and a lot of people were cheering for him, this would be upsetting to me. And rightly so. Yeah. I don't think he thinks that deeply about things. I think I he's a practical dude. I don't think 
I really don't think race and things like that are even on his mind. I think what he wants to do is win. And and so if he can point to good numbers in the economy and stuff, that that's literally what I think about. I don't think the guy has ever read a book on, you know, the history of racism. I, I don't think that's even in his interest. I, I really don't. So I think people give him too much credit for being such a deep thinker. I, I don't think he's that way. I think he's intuitive and instinctual. And he kind of goes, quote unquote, by his gut, which comes with its own liabilities, I guess. Yeah, but um, I, he, he's got that New York attitude where the only time he thinks about race is when he's making a joke at someone's expense. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of, you, know, you hang out in New York, your friends, it's, this one's Italian, this one's gay. You're yeah. making the punchlines, but you're not really thinking about it. Well, I see that. I see that New Yorkism. Because all yeah. my friends in New York are exactly that way. I mean, the, the whole point of New York is just, you. if you're with my friends in New York and I start talking about something super sense, uh, uh, if I'm talking about uh, something very, very, uh, you know, sort of sentimental and heartfelt and I'm opening up to my buddies about my relationship with my dad, whatever it might be, it'll be, they'll give me about three minutes before yeah. one of my buddies is like, hey, dude, your 60 minutes is up, all right? I'd rather be at the dentist right now, getting my teeth drilled. Shut the fuck up and let's move on. We there's get no, it. You're in no love with your dad. We get it. You want to have sex with your dad. We get exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think people miss that part about the guy that he's just we. we what do we, look, man? For, I want to get into. I want to get into conspiracy stuff. But how the fuck are we so sensitive about everything, dude? It, I, I mean, it's. Is Twitter real? What is this? What is going on? Is the, what is the difference between now and 10 years ago? I think they're losing control of having a monopoly of the conversation, the bad people. And sensitivity when it is a very useful technique for low status and powerless people to assert dominance over other people. If you and I are coworkers and you know I'm from another country and you innocently do something that's very offensive to like my family, like you insult my mom, you would feel horrible. Yeah. And you would be right to feel horrible. You're like, oh my God. And you would like, oh, I'm a bad person. That really isn't right. So human beings are animals and animals will use what, is t what tools are available to them to further their power. So if now if I have a mechanism where if I just say something, you will be under my thumb and kowtow, not only am I going to use it, psychologically, I'm going to start believing that I'm the good person for doing this and I deserve to be in the position I am. So it's a very effective technique to silence people and to raise your status relative to others because uh, for lowest status whites, being anti-racist is their only opportunity to be better than another person. And you can oh, wow. see it all the time as, as uh, night follows day. That's exactly right. It does seem to be coming from primarily white people. <laughs> you know, yes. Uh, educated white people, uh, when I say educated, I put it in quotes, but certainly people have gone not trained. trained, trained, trained and indoctrinated in a specific yes. kind of point of view, yes. and which you can see it, the orthodoxy coming out of these yes. academic institutions. I'm sorry, but, you know, and I've spoken to, I don't know, maybe 500 academics. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but certainly with my podcast a lot. And one of the things I, I noticed that they, they pray to the great God of equality and they're terrified of stepping outside of their own expertise because the academic world is so unforgiving and so are their students. So it's become this really weird, oppressive environment. And you can see, like, you can almost finish a lot of people's sentences when they come out of these universities. And now they're in tech and they're in different parts of, they, they, they seem to be, I feel like they seem to have a monopoly on power right now. No, they had the monopoly on power, and now they lost it, and they're freaking out. Really? 
I'll tell you, I'll give you a perfect example. 20 years ago, if you and I sat down and mentioned that someone is a professor at Harvard Law, we might say, oh, I disagree with him on some issues. But visually, we would think this guy's got a pipe, glasses, erudite scholar. This is someone who, if you and I met him, we would sit at his feet and be like, this is like a wealth of knowledge. Like, I, this is an exciting opportunity. Thanks to Twitter, you can look at Lawrence Tribe and be like, oh my God, this miserable old lesbian is just as much of a buffoon as every Facebook friend I have. And therefore, it's a lot harder for them to maintain that position of earned respect. And when they're losing that, they get more agitated because they don't understand what's going on. If my ideology had complete control of a country for 100 years, and then it started losing its nature as a monopoly, yeah, it would feel like chaos to me too. And that is what they perceive as happening. And that agitation is what's permeating to the culture because that is where ideas emanate from, the university system. Wow. Wow. Dude, you have such a great way of putting things into perspective. Thank you, Brian. And, and you do. That makes, that makes total sense. Because if you think about the majority, the vast majority of professors, I'm not saying you don't need professors, but you know, the vast majority of professors seem to be high, living behind and have always lived behind yes. very expensive walls in literal echo chambers. I mean, they're, they're teaching essentially the same subjects, but yes. they have never learned through the pain of adjustment. They've actually never learned anything. Like the woman, uh, Peggy McIntosh, who wrote the essay on white privilege, she's very privileged and has always been. She has her, she married, I think, a PhD from Harvard. She's always been in academia. So when she says things like, I can move anywhere I want as a white person, I can buy any house I want. Well, a lot of, most white people can't do that. <laughs> right. Okay. Most, have, you, have you met white people that work with their hands? Have you ever had friends over, Peggy, who are landscapers and carpenters and, and, and professional boxers who come out of, you haven't. Come to my house. That's who, I'm, that's who, that's who I hang out with. You don't. And, and I know she doesn't. So what happens is you come up with a theory and you, you just assume all white. How do you think people like it from West Virginia, whose brother is on opiates and whose other brother fought in the Iraq war and has, is missing a leg and, and they're all working two or three minimum wage jobs just to keep their kids, you know, fed. That's a reality of the American you know, situation for a lot of white people, a lot of, a lot of people in general, but let's, I'm saying there are a lot of poor white people in this country. So when you take those people and tell them they are privileged and, oh, by the way, irredeemably racist, it's very isolating. It's just not helpful, right? I think she would say that that cousin, instead of losing one leg, would lose two legs if he was black. If instead of having to work two or three jobs, he'd have to work three or four, right? And all these other, other metrics. How does that and help black people? Right, that's that not the other thing. That, that opiate addict isn't thinking about race. That no. opiate addict is thinking about his next fix. So it is a mechanism for someone like her to instill herself as a member of the priest caste. Because yes. now, since racism is something that we aren't even aware of that we have, supposedly, I have to go and talk to her to figure out, tell me what to do. So it's a very old school uh, dominance move. It, it really is, man. It's, a, it's, it's really, but having said that, I do think that being less enamored and even suspicious of quote unquote elites and experts um, is a new, it seems to be gaining more and more ground because right. people, people like you have a voice that can put this stuff in perspective and it's like, and oh. th there's also a big asymmetry 
right? If I kill someone once and 364 days a year, I'm not doing anything. I'm still a murderer, right? Same thing with, with honesty and intelligence. If I'm telling you something smart or average 90% of the time, but 10% of the time I'm talking out my ass, you're not going to regard me as this great genius of the ages. You're going to regard me as, oh, he's the smart dude. A lot of times he's wrong. So yeah. thanks again to social media and them being able to be called out on their crap in real time. It's much harder to maintain the facade unless they, as in days before, where they had the mic and no one else was in a position to criticize them at length, let alone to their face directly as it's happening. So do you think then that social media, because there's this thing on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, and it's really these, these, these software engineers and people that created the, the things like likes and stuff that created addiction, addictive behavior for a, sure. a lot of children and kids, where what the commodity is actually your attention span. And they can do whatever they want. But more importantly, it is a way to truly push people fanatically into one camp or another, where you're getting only information that feeds your, your confirmation bias or whatever. And, and so now we're, we're – and both of them, all of them are like really worried about the idea that everybody is living in their own echo chamber. But, but again, you're not as worried about that. You think that's good. God forbid I hang out with people who see the world like I do. I agree. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the way to peace. It's if boring. You, it's not boring. If no, you saying, and I, oh, no, the saying, other, yeah, when you have everybody who thinks the same way, if you go to a, if you go to a party and everybody's read the same books, listen to the same TED talks, or watches the same YouTube videos, it's not as fun as having people who come from all different backgrounds and different points of view, right? No, but what I'm saying is, if everyone did read the same book, it's a book club, and now we could bring our own perspectives for it. But what they're worried about is, you could have a group of people who have the same base assumptions, and where you go from that is very interesting. What they're fighting about is we have our own ideology, which does not relate to reality. And all of a sudden, there's a growing population who's telling us, not only do I disagree, I think you're reprehensible people. And this is driving them crazy because the very least, oh, you're supposed to respect my point of view. I'm not going to respect your point of view when your point of view is, here's my plan for keeping you helpless and defenseless in your home. This is not a beginning of a discussion. This is the beginning of you declaring yourself as my enemy and you should be treated accordingly. It doesn't mean you have to be killed, but it certainly doesn't mean we have to be on the same team or in the same, as you said, book club. Can you explain why, and I don't know how you feel about the coronavirus thing, but I think these lockdowns are, I, I just think that it, it's, it's, there's gotta be a smarter way to do this. I've been, I've been anti-lockdown for a long time. I think give people the opportunity to make their own decisions. It's not a virus that kills m Almost, almost no one under 65, the, the death rate is very, very low. And even among people who are 65, and I have parents that are 80, if you actually look at the CDC's real numbers, I think this prolonged lockdown in many ways feels like madness and feels like um, government overreach. I know I've had a lot of criticism for it. I got corona. I caught it when I was in Texas performing. Um, and I've taken a lot of heat for this, but I, I just think there's a better way to do it. And I just don't agree with it. What do you think? Sam, you know, water is important. If I go without it, my skin doesn't look as good and I get super thirsty, right? Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing, dude. I don't just drink any regular water for me. I'm not drinking my water out of plastic bottles because guess what? I care about the ocean, all right, yeah, dude? Right. I care about the environment. I'm talking to you right now. About I care about turtles, death. man. They're Dude, wrong for like about, ever. If you care about turtles, your water should come in a can. And guess what water comes in a can? Liquid death. I'm liquid right? death. Yeah. And let me explain something about liquid death. It's not water that comes from a well, dude. It comes from the Alps. Alps. I, get my 
I get my 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 water from the mountains. They are and clean want, people. Yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. And I want a full mineral profile. Never thought about a mineral po- profile until Liquid Death was like, "Hey, we we keep all the minerals in the water you get from the Alps, dude." That's why I like in my water minerals from Thank the you. Alps. Yeah, because you know what? You know what happens when you don't have minerals? You die, dude. Yeah, you gross. Die. Okay, do you gross. like living? dumb you start yeah. believing that there's no such thing as conspiracies All trust me stuff. those people who get minerals believe in the black nobility that's all I dude know. you gotta liquid you gotta lubricate your brain bro you got so you know the difference between a good conspiracy and a bad conspiracy liquid lubricate your brain with minerals. minerals and water yeah if you don't have water and minerals scientifically you got your brain will shrink and you'll do the Alps, bro. They don't allow any banking cabals in there. No, dude. No lizard no. people. You know, this you water know, is lizard people free. Trust me on that. That is 100% true. They've tested it for lizard people, and that yeah. water is is nothing but liquid death because it's I death like to, to talk about people. the competition, bro. But they've tested those waters, they have lizard people droppings in them, and I won't do it. And dude, I you know do it. I'm glad you're such a purist because speaking yeah. of purist, man, do you know what you know what you know what tastes like truth? Wow. Liquid death, dude, yeah. because it's yeah. pure water. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it this is. This has been this commercial's gone on way too long, but no, I'm so it hasn't. excited. I can talk about this all day. So could I. I'm well, passionate. Here's the thing. Hey, I'm the head a, mod. Get a case of liquid death. Start somewhere. Get a case. I'll drink a case right now on a dare. But guess what? If you, you get your first case, if you go listen, you go if it comes to the koozie, I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna I'm gonna explode right now. If oh, this oh, thing wait. comes to the koozie, I'm gonna explode. Oh, how about how about I do you one better? How about I give you two koozies, two free koozies? Yeah, so your hand doesn't get super cold when you're holding that cold can of liquid death. How's that sound? Yeah, I know your head's blowing up right now. Yeah, two free koozies with a case. Oh, liquid death. Murder your thirst. All right. So go to liquiddeath.com slash CSC. Liquiddeath.com slash CSC for Conspiracy Social Club. All right. And lubricate your brain. Get minerals in your body or you'll die. Oh, and by the way, here's the best news. You can pick it up at 7-Eleven or Whole Foods. Yeah, Whole Foods? Yeah, dude. Whole Foods and 7-Eleven. So, you know, uh, where can I find a 7-Eleven or a Whole Foods? I don't know. Everywhere. <laughs> All right. Liquiddeath.com slash CSC. Liquid death. Liquid death. If you look at, let's look at the AIDS crisis. For, there was no one helping. I mean, in the 80, early 80s, gay men were dropping like flies and everyone, nobody either knew. They stuffed around the rug because it's a localized population. Or there it's like, well, you shouldn't be sitting with men. Or it's like, well, what do you want us to do? And what happened as a consequence was gay activists for a very long time told the gay population, the straight population, it is your responsibility to assume whoever you're sleeping with has it and take precautions. People lie. People don't know their status. You can't expect them to be informed and honest. With corona, if you are someone who is in a high-risk situation, you can't assume people are going to be wearing masks. You have to take those precautions, whatever the state does one way or another. That's number one. Number two is a few weeks ago, I was feeling, I'm from Brooklyn. I was feeling very tired. And I was talking to my friend and just clicked. I'm like, maybe I have Corona. It's fatigue is one of the symptoms. And he goes, it's not possible. Like, what do you mean it's not possible? He goes, 
we're down to 100 cases a day and no deaths for like two months. And I looked at the numbers and he was right. Wow. And I thought of how many, talk, if, how many small business, New York, you come here from another country, this is the American dream, with nothing. You and your wife and your kids build that grocery store or dry cleaners or restaurant, whatever crappy little thing, you make it your own. Those people don't have six months no. banked no. in their pocket. Those not. lives are ruined for no reason. That's and right. this is going to continue until these politicians have to face personal consequences for what they've done because the incentives are all for them to continue doing this again because there, there's a lot of downside if they're too loose, but there's no real upside in their minds. So it is. here's another real example. This one really disturbed me. Uh, Governor Cuomo is the governor of New York State. He gave the green light for gyms to open in New York. The fact that gyms were like the last place is so deranged because if there's any population more concerned about their health, it's people who go to health clubs and take those precautions. Yeah. De Blasio said, we're not going to open up for a couple of weeks because schools are priorities and we don't have enough inspectors. Have the gym owners pay a, a, a private inspector. Uh, here's a hundred bucks, go around, certify it, and it's open. Yeah. The fact that there's not a concern that people are out of work for months at a time shows you where these people's priorities are. And it is harder and harder for my anarchist brain, for people who look at uh, political authority as anything other than criminal activity. I can't wrap my head around it anymore. I agree with, dude, the people making these decisions don't have businesses. The people, right. I'm sorry, but they, they, the health bureaucrats, <clears throat> the politicians, stand, the, the journalists, they all have jobs. They, ha they actually <clears throat> benefit in many ways and stay in power and stay rich right. in many ways promoting these lockdowns. That is the asymmetry. That's what I've been saying from day one. That's what scares the shit out of me. It's, it's got to be fought back on. It just I, makes zero sense. You don't lose your business. And they don't even have any. And here's what I really resent about de Blasio and these people. They have zero idea what it's like to work your whole life to build a brand and build a business. Zero. They just don't, man. Cuomo, and, it's his dad's brand. Yeah, they, uh, precisely. Uh, here's, some, and here's something else that you're, I'm gonna, that's going to upset you, but it's, it's the facts. A lot of very, very bad people have gotten a lot of very useful information about what the American people will put up with if push came to shove. I agree. That data is there for them. This was a great field test for what people will put up with, and the results are in. And there's no two ways about it that they'll be much, much easier to pull this trigger again for some other reason, if that's what they chose. If you and I had said six months ago that the government is going to make us cover our faces and stand right. six feet apart, and they're going to do that for an indefinite amount of time, maybe a year, maybe two years, even after they come up with a vaccine, you and I would have been like, I would have been like, that's, that's Michael, you're talking crazy now. You're actually like, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, it's that's a like conspiracy theory. It's again, what do you think of, let's get, let's get into it. Wait, one more thing, you missed one part. Yeah. And not only will people do it, people will voluntarily be yelling at strangers who aren't oh, of doing course. it. Oh, of course, by the way, it's the Soviet Union all over again. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's enforcing purity, enforcing virtue, which has been dictated from a, from a um, central authority. Yes. And people get tired of this stuff, but man, let me tell you, it's coming for you. It's that, that old saying, we're talking pol political here and people are like, oh, come on. If you don't get interested in politics, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get interested in you. That's all. And, yeah. and I think that's important. What, no what about, for you to escape. What do you think of these groups like QAnon and all these conspiracy groups? Um, I mean, uh, is, there, is the deep state, 
Does that exist? Is Trump at war with the deep state? What are we talking about? I keep hearing this stuff. So let's talk about let's talk, let's break this down because there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, you can go after uh, minorities, women, gays, the president, Supreme Court, the Senate, the House, Pelosi, Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Trump, Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, the universities, the media, publishing, music. You can go over any of those things. It is only when you go after the CIA are you immediately regarded as a crazy person. Isn't that interesting? Like every other institution, you can go after it and no, no one's going to think. But CIA, immediately you're crazy. That's number one. Number That's two is there's no... There's no doubt that there is a deep state. They talk about how there is a deep state. I don't know that it's necessarily bad that there's a deep state. We do have spies in every country of the world. You know, they forgot that Obama tapped Merkel's phone and apologized for it. He got caught. And this is New York Times. Look this up. This isn't something I'm making up in some weird Wikipedia page. Merkel being the, the chancellor, the, essentially of, the of Germany. Of Germany. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as for QAnon and these uh, Trump being at war, where are the mass arrests? Like there's, it's TikTok, Clarice. Like I, I we're sooner going to get the wall, which we're not going to get, than we're going to get these uh, uh, mass arrests. You mean mass arrests for uh, pedophile rings and all? Or that for stuff. anything? Yeah. There's not going to be ma- because at the very least, the judicial system will uh, kick into overdrive to make sure that this doesn't happen, and only for people to think that things are stable. Mm. How, Trump can't prosecute hundreds of people by himself. No. No. Jeff Sessions recused himself. I mean, these, it, you're going to need a huge team. It's even if it's Trump and Barr. I don't see. I can see a few people going away, but mass arrests. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you need you need due process. You, there's a there's a process, and people have the great thing about our country is there's a decentralization of power. That that was the whole idea, right? Like the Constitution keeps power out of one person's hands, or at least that's the goal. But there's also centralization that these prosecutors are going to be like, okay, I can't lock up a hundred of these people because that's going to look really, really bad. Rich people will cut deals in a second and their lawyers, you know what I mean? That's, of course they'll do it. You'll have a few like Cosby and Weinstein and all these other who are the real, the worst of them and Epstein. But in terms of like mass arrests, I don't see how that goes forward, even if they have the goods. Do you think so? Do you think there are goods to be had? Do you think that these people like there they have are the Epstein files? Of course. Really? You don't think? Wait, how is it on? Epstein has the receipts on all these people, right? And, and it's it's just all kind of disappeared. Why hasn't it come out? How do you cover that up? Here's I, I mentioned this on Rogan, and this is something for people to ask themselves. I don't even have a. You know how like with Epstein and his his suicide, we have like an ostensible answer. The cameras weren't working, and the guard was asleep. Okay, we have a stupid answer. Fine. For this one, I don't even have a stupid answer. Why is there no perp walk for Jeff Epstein? Why is there no footage of him getting off the airplane? Give me some stupid answer so I could be like, okay, this makes sense, but at least you're giving me something. But there's nothing. That's, there's no footage of him in jail. There's no footage of him in court. How is that possible? Like, literally, tell me something that I can believe. So maybe the man's a construct? Maybe the man was I don't know. agent, a foreign agent, a, a, a Mossad agent, whatever. I don't know what it is. I'm just saying I haven't even been told an implausible explanation to explain this. Well, we were all expecting to have this list of people, but but he had this island. It's also possible that the guy had money because he he was a grifter. He had this island and there were a bunch of horny men who had money who would get on a plane and come out and they would fly women out there. And it was was essentially a prostitution 
uh, arrangement. It was basically, look, hey, guys, come. These girls are getting paid or this will cost you a certain amount of money. That's also plausible, isn't it? I mean, isn't it possible that they're that this guy said, we'll fly a bunch of gals out to this island. And I'm, I think he was into, I haven't followed it enough, but he was definitely into very underage gals, 16-year-olds or something. Yes. But hey, guys, it's in international waters. It's legal. Well, there's always guys that are like, hey, young girls, don't ask, don't tell. It, I mean, that that it's almost like perversion might have been the conspiracy here. Sure. And uh, there's also a big, someone put forth this theory that they didn't know these girls were underage, and then he's videotaping them secretly. And then he's like, okay, here's what's going to be. Like, I've got a videotape with you with a 16-year-old. If this comes out, your life is ruined. So I'm going to be your portfolio manager, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut, and everyone's happy. How's that? That's so that, what I. That makes sense to me. That course, makes yeah. total sense. Like, why wouldn't that, – that's exact, or, or you are working for a, uh, uh, an intelligence agency, and that was another way to get, you know, essentially you to cooperate with them. Right. I'm gonna, right, I, yes, that could be it also. Yes, he could be an agent from another country who's like entrapping people. That that yeah. would not be implausible at all. No, that, that doesn't seem like it's that implausible. We're talking about the Buckingham Palace. The Queen was involved with this. I mean, this is talking about highest levels of, of a state everywhere. I mean, that's as high as it gets, Queen Elizabeth. Well, so, well, at least Prince Andrew, right? I mean, yeah. her son. But, but like, they called. They called Amy Rohrbach and put a kibosh on it. So the, the, the they said the, 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 the palace was Amy, Who's Amy Rohrbach? Is she a writer? Amy Rohrbach was a reporter for Channel ABC News, and there was leaked footage that came out later where she's complaining, uh, this was when the cameras were ostensibly not broadcasting, that we had the goods in everyone. We had Prince uh, Andrew, we had Bill Clinton, and they wouldn't let us run it. And this is just her talking about how behind the scenes, they had all the receipts, ABC News. At the same time, when the cameras are on, she'd be the first to tell you, oh, this is a ridiculous conspiracy. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. That's the game they play. So this yeah, footage is very damning. That's crazy. You've that's never crazy. seen this? I mean, how, no. How do you keep, how do you keep uh, journalists quiet? I mean, you know, that, that, that feels like um, a fantasy because there's always going to be a journalist who has principles who says, nah, I'm running this anyway. They went through, so according to her, uh, they got a call from Buckingham Palace. A lot of people got called the ABC News as lawyers, and that put the kibosh on it. ABC News said, no one knows who this guy is, so it's not a big deal. There was a, que- a letter sent to ABC from Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, being like, if you had the goods and someone running this pedophile ring and you kept it quiet, like we get how you might not feel comfortable broadcasting it. Why are you calling the authorities and putting a stop to it? And I don't know that anything came out of that letter, but this was a huge deal when th- this kind of footage broke. It, that's so confusing to me. I, I, I just don't know how. Unless... Oh, you know what? No, sorry, I'm interrupt you. She, the reason she said is because they threatened that they wouldn't get an interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So they chose, we're going to get this Meghan Markle. This is Amy Rohrbach's Christ. This video is on YouTube. You can find it yourself. They said, we'd rather have this interview with Meghan Markle than expose some, you know, international pedophile ring guy who's no one's heard of. This is according to her. You can watch the footage anywhere you want. You know what I, you know, the difference in you and I is, you you are a realist about people's motives. I always think yes. people like I'm always amazed that people can be that shitty. And my I've always been criticized for that. My 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 girlfriend, my everybody I know who are my buddies are always like, You're naive, dude. Don't assume that people out there in power have the same principles and values that you do. It's like it, it's like when when I um one of our rules on on Fighter and the Kid, um, my old podcast was you couldn't, we would never endorse a product that we didn't 
that yeah. that we didn't. And there were certain products that sucked, and we would just be like, "I'm not doing it." Um, so, so, but that's that's that just seems to me to be not even like um, it's just common decency. It's just it's just what you should do. It's how you should be raised. But when I look at how people behave, it's so disheartening, man. When you actually see people who have a lot of power and privilege, and you see that they're complete shitheads. It's always shocking. It's all, and you, you're way more pessimistic than I am, and that's probably not, how you keep getting suckered. Pessimistic, I would say more realistic. In a sense, look, this is the difference between the American upbringing and the Russian upbringing, because what we re- Americans, when they think of corruption, they think like, oh, Biden gets his son a job. Yes. If that's the level of human corruption, who cares? Some people are getting extra money, and it's it's not a big deal. Right. What the Russian understanding is, it's depravity. It's just really kind of levels of like children being taught to turn on their on their. Uh, turn their That's- parents into the cops. It's things where people enjoy preying on others because they can get off on it. Bill Cosby didn't need to drug those women. I'm mm-hmm. sure he would have slept with most of them voluntarily. It right. is something he enjoyed doing, knowing that he can go on camera and be America's dad and then it, it have that extreme power over her life and her psyche for the rest of her life. Jeez. So when people talk about American corruption, corruption, how evil people can be, you need to understand they're not like us, where it's just like, oh, you know, someone dropped 20 bucks. I think it was that guy. I'm just going to put it in my pocket. It's nothing even close to that. It's Dude, the I, kind of things where we're talking about preying on children. Well, I mean, I, I'm the guy who was defending the architects of the Iraq invasion because I thought they all had the world's best interest in mind. I'm serious. And I lost friends I, over it because my yeah. friends who are like you were like, I remember having these crazy arguments and I was like, that's not how our government is. Our government wants the best. I mean, this is what I was saying in my, I was yeah, probably, yeah. what was 2003? I mean, I don't know, in my thirties, I should have known better. It's embarrassing when I think back on it. It's fucking embarrassing as I'd done my own forensics and looked at who the architects were and who, who was pushing this and why. I'm, I'm so embarrassed that I was that naive. I just... You know, but you shouldn't be embarrassed because you have been trained since you were a child in school to look to the media as arbiters of truth, and they will give you the pretense that there's two perspectives. We call one Republican, one Democrat, and okay, I don't like this one, therefore I like the other one, but somewhere between the two, we're going to have truth and facts. And it takes a long time to realize that not only have I been lied to, I've been lied to since I was a child and have been made to be blind on purpose and they know what they are doing and they're doing it systemically. So don't beat yourself up too much. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. It's, that's exactly right. You're, you're, you're sold a bill of goods and everything is neat and it's shiny and it's safe. And you realize that that is, that is just a complete fantasy. Cause I, I will say that I've met some pretty powerful people and some very successful people, of course. And I'm always amazed at how ambitious they are. I'm always amazed at when you actually, when the cameras are off and things are off, it's it's kind of astonishing how carnivorous they are. They yeah. have appetites for everything. I mean, there are a lot of people that are really successful because they are a walking vacuum cleaner. They want it all. They want it all. Even Springsteen, who's I love, he said, nobody's a superstar by accident. No, I like that face you just made. Oh, I hate him. I think he's the biggest phony. <laughs> well, he might have, he said that to an extent in his one man show. You know, he said, I've never worked in a factory and I'm writing, writing these songs. He suffered from depression. But the point is that, that that's kind of what he said. He said, nobody's a superstar by accident. You, you got to have a, you got to be ambitious as fuck. And that comes with 
its own liabilities, you know? Yeah. And also it, it kind of makes you feel important if you with your circle of friends are acting a certain way and everyone out there in Peoria thinks that you're nice people and you guys are sitting and laughing and getting over, there's something to be said for that. And you can see how it's kind of very tantalizing uh, to many people. Like you, now you're part of the inner circle. You, the rules don't apply to you anymore. You're one of us. You're one of the important people. That's right. That's exactly right. What, what, what conspiracy theories do you subscribe to? The Constitution. I talk about this in my book, The New Right. That a conspiracy theory, we don't like using the word conspiracy because conspiracies are bad. The Constitution was a conspiracy. It was a group of elites who sat down in Philly, who swore themselves to secrecy, who had no right to overturn the Articles of Confederation. First thing they do is they lock the door and they're like, this is going in the garbage, right? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And they basically invented a new form of government without having the authority to do it. Now, uh, so conspiracies are when we don't like things, but this is clearly a conspiracy and a very successful one. Yeah, I don't a know great, that- and a, great, and a great one. The result was they solved the political problem to a large extent. Did and they? Did they? Of course they did. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Stop it, Michael. Do, you have, do I have a gun? I'm sorry? Do I have a gun in New York? You don't have a gun, but I think that they would have allowed you to have a gun. I mean, if you're a strict constitutionalist. There, uh, no law. I don't have a gun. It didn't work. I do, though. I'm in California. Fine. Give it a time, dude. That's, I agree. That's, that's a ticking time bomb, California, with gun rights. Look, that's look, just... the, the, the Ben Franklin, the legend, goes, she said, did you give us a monarchy? A woman said, did you give us a monarchy or a republic? He said, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. Right. It's always, like you said, you, you said it in the beginning of this podcast, we've been held together with string and tack and, and glue for, for a long time. Maybe maybe from the beginning. This is always yes. a tenuous experiment. Yes, man. absolutely. Hamilton and Jefferson, you know, urbanism versus ruralism, completely different cultures. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's time to kind of uh, go our separate ways and wish each other well. It is? Of course, it's past time. Well, so, so we, we have chaos if, to look forward to. No, not chaos. If I despise Donald Trump with every fiber of my being, if I think he's a horrible person, if he's another Hitler and all this and so forth, why do I have to have him as my president just because a lot of other people want him as my president? That makes no sense. I should be able to choose whoever I want to represent me in every context. I choose my accountant. I choose. Can you imagine how crazy it would be if you have to have the same lawyer for four years? And the guy who does your divorce has to do your, your entertainment and your copyright and all these other legal things. That makes no sense. Right. I, my oncologist has to be the one taking care of my, uh, uh, my wife's uh, um, uh, OBGYN stuff. What? Why? I love the way you break things down. It's so but, it, but I mean, we're taught these things and you never stop and question them. And when you question them, you're like, wait, it doesn't make sense. We've just been doing it this way for a long time. Well, the problem is I don't know what the alternative is because I don't know what to replace it with. Freedom. Freedom. Individual yes, freedom. Even individual liberty. Absolutely. I'm a fan of that. You're, yeah. You're a, you're a true libertarian. I'm a true anarchist, yes. I still think you need the police, dude. Of course you need the police. You need private police. If you have a government, the same that's arguments. That's a militia. That's a militia. The same, okay, that just means police you don't like. The same arguments against socialized health care and having a government monopoly on health care are the arguments against having a government monopoly on police. It's the exact same principles. Now, you need police are, be, are are held to the law of the land and to a federal authority. Though you need, I mean, you need um, some consistency in that. Otherwise, what you would have is you'd have <clears throat> various police forces that had their own agenda that yes, would, would confiscate private property anyway. <clears throat> I mean, 
Why would I subscribe to that police agency that's stealing from me when the alternative... You wouldn't have a choice. But again, you're describing the status quo. You're saying this is bad because it's going to end up like what we have now. Okay. This is really hard. Because... I, I don't know. have a choice now. What percent of your income goes to the police right now, Brian? Is it sure. more than zero? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Michael. What? Michael Malice, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so you believe in the Constitution. Now, the book is The New Right. Yeah. <clears throat> what is The New Right? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, the new, let me see if I get the definition exactly correct. What's the, the argument right, you're making in the book? It's, it's not an argument. It's more of a journey through this kind of right-wing world that is not uh, portrayed very admirably or fairly or at all in corporate media. Uh, So these are the right-wing innovators, which means the bad kind of innovators and also the good kind of innovators. But the title refers to a loosely connected connected group of individuals united by their opposition to progressivism, which they perceive to be a thinly veiled fundamentalist religion dedicated to egalitarian principles and intent on global domination and world domination via globalist hegemony. I think that was my definition. That's a pretty that's a pretty interesting definition. And I do believe that a lot of the this progressive movement is religious. It is a faith, yes, for a hundred years. Yeah, and, and a very intolerant faith. And right. that's the other thing that you see. It's 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 rather scary because it's uh, the intent is not persuasion, and this is part of being a human being, it's but destruction and control. hundred percent. That's what makes it totalitarian. There's no aspect of your life that is outside their purview, and they will be the first to tell you this. But it's not any different than what you see in Russia in the 20s, in, in Pol Pot's Cambodia, in Mao's China. It, it's, it's this fervor, this young people's fervor to burn down what was there and invent something new. And that, that, always, that revolution eats its own young. That always really worries me, man. It's very uh, scary to me. Corporate America has gotten far better at putting over Maoism than the Chinese uh, Communist Party I ever agree dreamed of. When I you have agree. people getting up in their, it was I think it was Northwestern, that, that phone call people had recently, where they're getting up and declaring themselves to be racists. This is a quintessential struggle session out of Mao. The whole point of struggle sessions, they still have them in North Korea, is you get together with your peers and you denounce yourself for what you did wrong and then they chastise you, and this is how you purify yourself before your uh, fellow congregants. And it's happening here now, and thankfully, because of social media and because of movements like the New Right, uh, people are being called accountable for this very, very disturbing fundamentalist faith. So there is pushback, and you're, you're optimistic that there will be reason and there will be some kind of a middle middle ground here not middle ground there's no compromise with these people i'm confident that there's going to be their uh, minimalization or destruction as an ideology really oh yes really? absolutely oh yeah see i'm always afraid that, that it's going to be the opposite so that's you should be afraid i mean oh, we yeah. should definitely be afraid but the point is we beat we beat the russians we beat the nazis yeah we're going to beat them so things like we're, critical race theory and things like that where you're irredeemably racist if you're a certain color or whatever it is these are the things that seem to be gaining traction but are also they also have their detractors as you start silent majority starts to realize wait a minute what the fuck is this hold on like i i don't personally michael i don't know anybody who's racist i really don't i'm sure everybody has biases and stuff like that but i don't hang out with and never have had friends who at a dinner table or whenever they're around saying things like well uh somebody is less their their human potential is less because of the color of their skin or their faith or whatever i don't 
That's just that argument for the most part, I feel, has been defeated. I may be, again, now I'm naive. I'm naive. I know there are a lot of people who hold racist emotions and, and biases. So I'm not saying that that's not an issue. I'm a white dude. There's a difference. I don't have the perspective of, of a lot of my black friends. I, and, and I have had conversations and I have seen, and they, there is a difference. There is a fucking difference between being black and white in this country. There's no doubt. And I'm not going to say that there isn't. And I have no right to say that there isn't because I haven't experienced that. But however, I do think that there is, there does seem to be this hysteria, this fucking hysteria that I'm not seeing. I, 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 this, this need to purify, this need, it's not enough to be not racist. And by the way, if you say you're not racist, you're racist. Um, but it's, it's, uh, you have to be anti-racist. You have to be- you quoting Joe Jorgensen? I'm sorry? Are you quoting Joe Jorgensen? No. She got in a huge amount of controversy, the libertarian candidate for president, Joe Jorgensen, because she says it's not enough for us to be against racism. We must be actively anti-racist. Silence is violence. Silence yeah. is violence. So I can't even be quiet because I'm now I'm, I'm being violent by s- saying nothing. This is the kind of madness. This is the kind of madness it's that we're on madness. in Mouse China. It's, it's very madness. smart because no matter what you do, you can't win. So therefore, you have to do what they say. I have this whole section in my book about things that are called racist. Moving into minority neighborhoods is racist. It's gentrification. Moving out of them is racist because it's white flight. Noticing other races is racist because you're treating them differently. Not noticing is being privileged. You can't. Win. Now adopting a black child if you're white. Can you believe that? If you, you, you are you are you are colonizing. You're a you are a white colonizer. You're you, what was the he said he said something to the effect of if you are white like uh, this this uh, Supreme Court nominee Barrett and you adopt a black child you are uh, you are colonizing quote unquote a savage. That's what is, he said. Is there any if you are someone who wants to or is comfortable condemning another human being for saving the lives of children you are the acme of human evil and this is satanic in the old testament sense in the old testament the, the, they would send the, the kids through the fire to malach sacrifice them to maintain power and if you are going to use that cudgel against someone you are an absolute absolute depraved monster and if there are any population that needs more adopting it's black kids who are criminally underadopted. And disproportionately, when they're in foster care, are subject to abuse and are really, by the time they're five, they're screwed for life, which is unconscionable. So if you rescue two kids, I know they're from Haiti, not America. If you rescue two kids from this and put a roof over their heads, you're a hero. And to, to stigmatize this in any way is absolutely demonic. It really fucking is, man. It's just, it's, there's, again, you said there's no way to win and there's no way to reason. It's a zero sum game. It's like you guys are not interested in making the world better. You're interested in power and pushing an agenda and tearing down everything that most of us have lived with for a long time and have faith in. So I don't know, man. But there is going to be a way to win, and it's just going to be at their expense. It is? Absolutely. We won the Cold War. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Wait for my next book. This This is the theme of my next book. Yeah? Yes. It is? Absolutely, yeah. So the new right, I can't wait to read the new right. This is very interesting because the new right is constantly demonized. I don't know much about the Proud Boys <clears throat> or these new groups, <clears throat> but are there was are an they, article? Sorry to interrupt you, Brian. There was an yeah. article in the Daily Beast. The headline was, "Why are so many minority young minorities joining white supremacist groups?" And 
if you can put this headline with a straight face, you realize who you're dealing with. Is that true? They're talking about all these minorities in the Proud Boys. And they're like, why are they joining a white supremacist group? Well, it obviously can't be that they're not white supremacists. So let's try to figure this out otherwise. What are the Proud Boys? Is Gavin McGinnis' group? And what what are they? Yeah, Gavin Gavin left. Uh, They are basically a social group. They are also the ones who are going head to head with Antifa. So they are very much involved in this kind of rising but minimalized uh, um, violence in many ways. Now, who are the perpetrators? Who are the uh, antagonists and, and protagonists? That's a whole other separate issue. Um, but it's very useful for many people to portray them as this kind of you know, street gang looking for a fight, whereas Antifa are just writing uh, slam poetry uh, about the horrors of slavery. Yeah. Michael, you have such a great way of putting everything in perspective. It's Thank very you, interesting. And I'm glad that as a pessimist, you're optimistic about at least the future of- Extremely. You are. Extremely. Oh, extremely so. Look at these. You're telling me, you're telling me people like uh, um, Eric Swalwell and Kamala Harris have anything on Hitler and Stalin? This is who you're regarding as an unbeatable foe, Kamala Harris? Are you kidding me? So she's not threatening to you? No, she is threatening to me. But in terms of her being invincible, that is an absurdity. She's a very big threat. Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize is people like Kamala Harris also have a lot of pressure on them from the left and the far left and the fringes of the far left saying you should be pushing intersectionalism. Oh, and sure. it's not enough to just say that I'm, I'm, I happen to be a black woman and half black, half Indian. Um, and, and uh, oh, by the way, I I'm also don't want to talk about that because I'd rather get to policy. No, 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 no. You got to make this an issue because this is about intersectionalism yeah. and this is about a hierarchy of victimhood. So you better start talking about that, Kamala. And I doubt she wants to talk about that. I think she no, wants no, to- No, no, you're wrong. She, because she was, uh, her parents came out of Berkeley. They met as part of the civil rights movement. Her dad's uh-huh. Jamaican, her mom's Indian. So her mom was one of those people, you know, who was very much very race conscious. She grew up in this whole world. So this is, I, I read her bi- autobiography. Someone paid me a grand to do it. Um, and this one, and, wait, where's my- <laughs> Someone yeah, paid me a grand. Yeah, so here's my Kamala Harris impression. So, um, Basically, she came out of the whole perceiving everything as race. And she's such a sociopath that when she became a prosecutor, she had no problem locking up her own people. Why are you wearing a pink? Because that, that's for Officer Harris. Oink, oink. Oh, because she's a, she's a, okay, she's a police officer. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty goddamn controversial, Michael. Now, everyone uh, knows she's a cop. It's very you normal. and I will forever disagree on the, uh, on the state of the police. I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, of the police. Oh, Jesus. Okay. You are naive, huh? Maybe I am, my friend. I got to believe in something nowadays. I got to believe in something because nobody can even agree on where the truth is coming from. That's true. And that's good. And that's good? Well, if we can't agree, why are we talking? Go your, go your own way. I'll go mine. Why so do you want to have conversations with these people? Why do you want to be locked into a population with people who tell you and your family that you're racist no matter what you do? I don't. Why do you want to? Well, that's what you're arguing for. Yeah. If you're arguing against this national separation. I like Michael. You're all, you're comfortable in a fight. Yes, you you prefer a fight almost because I think you see it as the the only reality anyway. Like there's no choice, so life is a fight. Yeah, that might come that might come from being a Russian Jew, by the way, because if you're uh, a Russian Jew, you come from a history of constantly having to fight, constantly having to worry about the czar going, "Hey, 
The economy's doing shitty. Who can we blame? Let's blame the Jews in the pale over there. Let's go, like, burn down a synagogue and kick the shit out of a rabbi and fucking burn down some huts. I mean, that's literally the, the history of yes. a Russian Jew. Yes, yes. It just is. Yes. Uh, 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 yeah. It, it, but I also think um, what most people are, or more people, excuse me, are coming to realize is that they want you dead, but they'll settle for your submission. That this isn't about marginal tax rates. This is about complete control over every aspect of your life. That is your goal. Here's my counterproposal. Go F yourself, and I'm going to do what I want. So th that's kind of how I see things going. Will it matter to our lives if Kamala Harris and Biden are in power or, will it, or, or Donald Trump? Will it affect the average American's life? She would be the problem. Biden, I don't think, would be a big problem at all. Biden uh, gave us a balanced budget. Biden was uh, like a Giuliani person on crime. He turned his back on the person who wanted open borders and told the guy to vote for Trump. Now, the question is, okay, if he comes in, is the far left going to control Biden? The far, Biden beat the far left. He beat yeah. Sanders. The, the whole point of Biden being a candidate is because the Democratic establishment, which is very corporate run, sat down and like, we're not letting Bernie in here. We're going to get our own guy. So I think that if you look at if you told Republicans in 92 that Bill Clinton is going to give you a balanced budget, they would think you're a lunatic and that a federal marriage ban. He got those things happening. So Nixon gave forth a lot of left wing ideas. When people are these kind of like policy figures who aren't really ideological, a lot of times they deliver things that their opponents want just for the sake of having a deal. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but she is a sociopath. Policy. Yeah, but she's a yeah. sociopath. Is she is she a far left? Uh, I mean, what is she? She's she'll do whatever it takes to get. But power. she's an she's an authoritarian. Yes. That's the concern. He's not. I don't at all. Right. She the, if he wins the election, it'll probably be a day before there's articles fed by her to the New York Times questioning his mental capacity and started bringing up the Twenty Fifth Amendment. She would not wait till her hand was off that Bible. And they they would this would be their back door, and you would have all the Republicans fighting to make sure Joe Biden maintains himself as president, and they'd be the right to do it. The only way Biden I feel loses is if Americans are like he just seems too old, like he seems too frail. How long we is got, it gonna last? We got two more debates, and if he literally voids his bowels in either of them, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? It's a fucking crazy time, Michael Malice. Thanks for thanks for enlightening us. This you are always so much fun to listen to, dude. And the book is the new right, which I'm yes, going to read. And the next book, well, we'll wait to see what it is. You know what it's called? The white pill. The white pill? The fuck? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit? You know about the blue pill and the red pill? Uh huh. So the black pill is this idea that all hope is lost. That you know we're done just for various reasons, you see this in fringe right-wing circles that like America's done, uh, the West is done. The white pill is that we're going to win, that even if we don't win, we sure aren't going down without a fight, and that there is so much hope and opportunity in the future ahead of us. And who is, I'm not- Who is we? Who is we? People like you and I. And I'm not saying this just for like, to be a cheerleader. This book is about the receipts and why you should have this perspective based on our history. That's amazing. Michael Malice, you're the best. No, Thank you're you. the best. Thank you, Brian. You are.